Welcome to uh, another episode of Covera Insights, where we um, speak with industry experts and try and figure out, you know, how to better manage your personal wealth. Today, of course, we have uh, another great topic. We're talking about gold markets. Um, Dhanteras is coming up, so it's a great time to talk about gold uh, in gold jewelry, gold as an investment, um, sovereign gold bonds, everything that's gold related. We'll try and touch up as many questions as we can. Uh, we have two very special guests with us. Um, Soam uh, is with the World Gold Council. Uh, he's been with the World Gold Council since January 2013 as Managing Director of India. Uh, he's responsible of leading all gold, World Gold Council's activities across the Indian gold market. And India is one of the largest gold markets globally. About 700 to 800 tons of gold is sold in India every year, uh, if I'm not wrong. Soam has over 27 years of experience across diverse industries, including FMCG and banking sector. Prior, prior to the World Gold Council, Soam was the CEO of a regional private bank. Um, and prior to that, he was a standard chartered bank for over eight years. Soam has also spent 13 years with Hindustan Lever in a variety of roles in financial management, logistics, and MA. He's a qualified uh, chartered accountant. Welcome, Soam. Welcome to uh, this conversation. We also have with us uh, Shaji Vikraman, uh, who has been a journalist for over three decades and worked with some of the largest media groups in India, in, in Chennai, New Delhi, and Mumbai. Uh, during this period, he has tracked and written extensively on India's economic policies and financial markets for the Hindu Business Line, where he was the Deputy Bureau Chief in New Delhi, uh, with Economic Times as national editor, both in Delhi and Mumbai, and later as resident editor and policy editor for the Indian Express Group. Uh, welcome, Shaji, uh, to this Thank conference. you. Happy to be here. Okay. So um, we all are familiar with gold, whether we use it as an investment or not, that is, you know, a different matter. But as Indians, uh, gold is, uh, is, is special. It's been around for centuries as a, as a store of value, as a medium of exchange, as, uh, you know, the last resort, right? The, the selling the family gold is kind of like the last resort of what you monetize. So. Given that backdrop, right, so uh, what's the story of gold in the last few decades in India? So because when we look at gold price in INR, right, over the past like eight or nine decades, the Kager is a very healthy eight and a half percent. I say it a very healthy is because it's not a it's not a tremendously large number, but over 90 years to deliver that um, in a very consistent way in an asset that people don't trade in and out very often. So most people are actually getting those gains because, yeah, you know, it's, is being passed on from generation to generation. Uh, but we also see that gold has these cycles, right? There's always this five to 10 year window. Um, I think it happened sometime in the 90s. It happened again in 2010 from 2011 to 2018 where gold just does nothing. So how do you how do you see the demand for gold uh, being driven by some of these price changes and how much of that demand do you see is as traditional and as, as, as taste? Taste Let's look at some of the points you made. Gold since 1973 in India, has, in Indian price, has gone up by a CAGR of 14.1% year on year. So that's the primary thing. That's how gold has gone up. When it comes to demand, obviously, till 1990, gold was a controlled. 1991, gold was controlled. Gold control act is there, and then it was removed. and. NRAs were allowed to bring in, and then we allowed imports by institutions. So lots of changes have happened since 91, since the reforms, because gold was thought to be one of the lead uh, uh, investment products that we should reform. 
Along with that, Indian economy opened up, growth came in, gold demand went up, particularly since the early 2000, if you see the gold demand has started shooting up and 2008, the financial crisis brought a special focus to gold and then it grew. It has now uh, averaged around 900 tons till about 2015 and then the demonetization happened and then lots of transparency measures in the broader economy happened and it has actually shrunk the gold. So this is a short story on gold, if you really think about it. Clearly, part of the demand has come from the need to keep your money away from, you know, probably all the accounting that you did. Even though you were earning it properly, you always kept gold as an asset which you don't have to disclose. See, gold was 60% of demand for gold comes from the rural markets, where a lot of income is anyway exempt. However, if you still go and ask them how much gold do you hold, people were not willing to give it. So gold you know, performed that role as well of keeping the wealth secure. Now, in the last few years, we have seen gold demand certainly um, at the range of 600 to 700 tons. Last year, 2019 itself was one of an anemic year, 696 tons against, if I may give you, 2010 of 1000 tons. Okay. So, and we have now seen this year is an extremely uh, dif difficult year, but it is not something which should probably uh, lead to a trend. In fact, we have seen that after any such fall, gold demand rises very sharp. So that's where we are. Currently, this year, uh, gold is down 50% over last year, which itself was lower, partially contributed by a significant increase in price. Price has gone up in the last two years by 60% in Indian rupee since the beginning of 2019 and nobody's income has gone up that way um, and on top of it the lockdown has also affected it so we are looking staring at one of the lowest demand years in 2020. Fair enough so uh, coming to you Shaji right I mean uh, right. how do you see the youngsters taste for gold changing right I mean we do see less and less gold jewelry mm -hmm. being bought or being at least born in India, right? So it's still kind of, you know, it's like your parents, it's like family as a family investment or as a, as a, as a, you know, as a, what we call the family goal, it's still there, but people are not, or the young, younger generation is not buying as much gold as the older generation did. Um, and um, do you think that there's been any change or what, what have been your observations around how the younger generation is perceiving gold or, or, you know, or looking at gold from either wearing perspective, investments perspective, and so on? Uh, I, I think partly it's true. I think the maybe there's a small, uh, there's a gradual shifting trend, I think maybe particularly in metros, because all of us are in, in some of the biggest metros in India. So uh, it's very, it, it seems obvious to me that in some of these metros, actually the younger generation, I'm talking of the young people who are just got into a career who started working and, and maybe uh, a young couple, they are the ones, it does seem to me actually that they, they don't seem to be as keen on buying gold, physical gold or jewelry like what uh, the previous generations used to be, maybe because of sentimental reason, ritualistic reason. So when I was chatting with a few people, in fact, uh, uh, they were telling me that actually the younger people don't seem to be keen, but once uh, they start buying, uh, later, maybe if it's an engagement after a wedding or something, 
uh, then the interest starts uh, going up a little is what some of them do tell me and rather than gold i think young people fancy platinum and maybe other expensive some of those expensive stuff and maybe partly also i feel the other reason could be that uh, i don't know whether it's a, it, it it's a, it's an interesting trend i can see that for etfs actually uh, gradually you see when uh, what you call a little bit of financial literacy the younger people who invest now we have a large universe of mutual fund investors in india particularly in the large uh, in the large metros tier 1 uh, towns and cities so if you look at them in fact if you have a large universe of mutual fund investors you uh, gradually now have etfs actually 20 etfs or so and there you see some of them investing who pro- who who maybe wouldn't want to take delivery or against it or then you have the to me the interesting part would also be a gradual rise of sovereign gold bonds in fact actually you see now last year they had i think uh, if i'm not wrong 10 tranches of that uh, this year we had quite a few uh, and and i think gradually i think we can see people getting into that because in the sovereign gold bond which the government of india offers you don't get fiscal gold so in that which means that people are looking at it as an investment avenue and uh, maybe maybe that will that will uh, gain pace over the next few years possibly possibly it will it will happen and uh, i know for a fact that uh, about four years ago in bombay when i was living in bombay uh, typically in families they would want danteras they would want a gold coin in fact actually i mean this is this goes across family and i remember running at the last minute to to one of my uh, to my bank branch to get it and i was i was pretty late i was running around and i was very late there was a holiday a couple of holidays so the bank manager said i'm sorry but we we, we can uh, do anything there's no gold coin but why don't do sold out buy, of all the gold coins sold sold out so they said that right. why don't do buy get into a, a, a sovereign uh, gold bond and this was 2016 if i if i recall and uh and when i went home actually i was blasted actually that this is the first year that yeah, that you ne- we never had a coin and you that here we are holding a piece of paper there's nothing to show oh, so i still recall that i'm reminded about that year after year so i'm i'm little mindful of getting that much in advance but i had to recently point out that that 2016 gold which i bought is 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 actually appreciated quite a bit so in, so so if i if i have to get out now actually i would almost double my investment but probably i don't know whether it will register uh, on many families that uh, that appreciation has happened but uh, my feeling is that gradually it will happen uh, or if if this is a sign and uh, the government of india the the uh, reserve bank of india have been trying for a pretty long time to discourage holding a physical gold it it takes a pretty long time in a country like india to many other countries so uh, i i think you need to be financially literate i think sentiment all that things i think it takes a long time as mr sobhasundaram mentioned a while ago you had the gold control order till 91 so much of the changes uh, which happened uh, after liberalization now we are going to be 30 years so it takes a long time for change and uh, I, i have a feeling that we are seeing early signs of that but uh, sadhi i may just come in here sure sure one of the things is yes when we talk about it this is a very typical situation and i'm glad you brought it up we believe that 
people not buying gold is a great thing whereas they investing in uh, other uh, asset classes is a sign of uh, um, wisdom right actually uh, if you really see a very very well informed investor will always look at gold as part of the portfolio and we have had done several researches which shows that a portfolio with gold performs much better is less volatile than a portfolio without in fact yeah. we did a study in india recently any uh, allocation it's a it's a hypothetical situation we took between 6 and 17% if our pension funds in some of the uh, public uh, publicly known uh, portfolios had they invested in gold both the returns and the volatility would have been better we have, we have shown it you know by back testing now therefore my question here my, my it's not a question I, i would like to make a remark that our women have been more financially literate perhaps knowing that this is one thing where nobody can increase on the short run Right. nobody can dupe you there is no uh, counterparty risk here once you bring your gold it is gold yes purity right. is an issue we'll come to that but they have shown the best wisdom that's why we sit on 25000 tons of gold today and in spite of covid upsetting many asset classes our wealth has actually gone up because people are sitting on gold and you see that in the gold lending companies which have now started lending more uh, against gold right Right. So I I just want to mention that yes you made a right point about millennials uh, because you know they still think that they uh, you know uh, they don't want the heavy gold but you also made a very good point when they reach the uh, you know age post marriage mid 30s then they become absolutely uh, you know interested in gold and India is still the low uh, per capita consumption is the lowest. it is not very high india and china well in absolute terms they are very very large you know germany is 6 grams we are 0.51 so we still have a large large uh, untapped demand as more and more people come out of the you know the lower uh, levels in the hierarchy to becoming savers the first asset class they will go to is gold 1 gram per person for a 200 million people coming into this Uh, stream is 200 tons per annum right. we got to be prepared for it right uh, uh, if i may add one oh, one more point garov uh, on this sure, uh, sure. Uh, because because this is a country actually where in 1991 when we had a balance of payment crisis we had to pledge gold and and it was a it was a lease agreement in fact with uh, the bank of japan and the bank of england and uh, you know the political controversy which arose uh, mm -hmm. out of that so i i i think the the backdrop of all this i think is very important even even a government actually to many countries many central banks actually across the world actively manage the gold the gold reserves in fact actually so i don't know whether we uh, really can do that to the extent which let's say a fed reserve or some of those other uh, central banks do it where where they maximize uh, their returns on some of these actually though our gold reserves mr somasundaram correct me if i'm wrong have also risen actually now i think it's 6.4% or something of our total uh, reserve so and we have i think if i'm not wrong we are a actively managing a little better than what we used to 25 years ago so which is which is in a bad sign so i think it will take a little bit of time to change perceptions to influence policy to influence people so 
I, I guess some of these will happen over the next uh, few years. Yes, sir, some very, very actually interesting points. Uh, so I had no idea that our per capita goal, goal uh, holdings are actually that low. Because you always look at the headline number, and the headline numbers are, of course, massive. But then you forget India is a very large country. Sorry to interrupt. Very interesting sure. is US, Germany, all of which have seen financial crisis at some stage. You know, Germany in particular, after the, you know, the um, World, World War, you know, what happened to their currency. They are all absolutely, their level of gold holding is so high. But we don't realize because their population is low. You know, we, we yes. think that, okay, they are a small country, but they have more gold passion than we do. Uh, U.S. has the maximum uh, uh, gold as reserves. As part of their reserves, you know, 8,800 or something tons. India still has 670 tons. So, uh, uh, of course, the, uh, in recent times, even RBA has started buying gold. But my limited point to what Shaji was saying is, we must look at gold as an investment product. Yes, our women wear it. In fact, they have the best, uh, India, China, the Asian community in particular, they have been the best uh, uh, investment managers. They knew how to use something, and when it is required, actually go back and make it into an asset. That is why we always go for 22 carat jewelry. We never look at 8 carat, 14 carat, you know, designer jewelries as jewelry. For us, jewelry means 18 carat or 22 carat, 18 if it is, you know, studded and all that stuff. Because we know that is what comes in handy for encashing in the event of a rainy day. So. Fair enough. So just, just picking up on one point, I think we discussed this before, and I, I, I would like you know you to kind of uh, uh, put some more lights on this. You mentioned that you know some, uh, and and this is something that captures a lot of headlines that there are certain central banks that are selling their gold reserves, right? How do you how do you see that? How do you perceive that? And and what is the real message here? Instead of because it's always reflected as hey central banks are are, are selling gold, should you also sell gold? But I, I, I mean, I, I believe you have a slightly differentiated point of view. So if you might. Yes. Uh, you see, central banks have been net buyers, net buyers since 2010. Okay. And uh, there are, in fact, uh, buying has been widespread. Although two, there were two big players in this, which was uh, China and Russia. And both of them have in the last uh, one year said that they are not going to buy anymore because they have just really increased their uh, reserves by whatever they probably thought was good. And they are just giving it a pause. Right? But these 10 years, several central banks, including the Bank of India, Shaji rightly mentioned, we pledged in 1991. And in 2010, we bought 200 tons from IMF. All right, that's when, uh, yeah. because that was a great feeling for the nation. You know, we yeah. are not only, uh, we don't have to pledge anymore, we are buying gold. Now, of course, it's become a, a business as usual. RBA is buying almost every month, every quarter. Uh, little by little. And um, uh, so we have seen even this quarter, RBA has bought uh, uh, gold. Uh, so, but when it comes to quarter three, after 10 years, we saw a net sale of 12 tons. It's actually not a sale for the reasons that central banks did not like gold. It is, it is none of the uh, reasons attributed to go there selling gold in the early 2000s when they thought that gold was not going to perform and then they started buying, etc. In fact, there was even an agreement uh, called Central Bank Gold Agreement which re restricted how much central banks can sell in Europe. 
okay, so that we don't affect the price. Now, all that is gone now. Central banks became net buyers. And this quarter, what happened is uh, some central banks, specifically because of various reasons, did sell. And two of them were very big, which was Turkey and Uzbekistan. Okay. But there were six central banks which bought, even this quarter, more than a ton. So it is not, it is an isolated case. It's not a trend. And the sale was essentially what gold is supposed to do when you require liquidity. That's what you do. And particularly Turkey did not sell because they wanted cash or anything like that. Turkey, the bars and coins demand went up by 300%. So Turkish central bank is very active. Therefore, to promote liquidity in gold and not to upset that market, they probably sold a little bit of gold. Uzbekistan again sold uh, 35 tons. Their total gold as a part of reserve is 56%. Okay, so these are not banks which say that, you know, we are moving away from gold. They have used gold in the manner it is intended to be used. And that's an extremely important point. And in the aggregate, we saw that when buying was lower because of COVID, buying definitely became lower and the selling was uh, quite uh, you know, opportunistic. You suddenly end up with a net figure and uh, there is no trend in this. We believe Central Bank will continue to be net buyers. So, uh, so two, two, you know, two other big points of discussion. Let's start with the first one, right? So ETFs definitely have seen a lot of inflow and in like, you know, even Shaji was mentioning, and um, I, I, I tried to pull on, pull out some data. So globally, I think 2000, um, 2012, 2013 is where ETF gold holding peaked. It was about 80 million troy ounces. Stayed under that throughout till the pandemic happened, and now it's gone to close to 115. So in 2020, it, it crossed its previous high of 80 million troy ounces, and now it's gone to about 115 million troy ounces. Right? So um, uh, digital... People are buying uh, digital gold and promise of paper gold returns. So, um, in your opinion, so what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of you know owning gold ETFs or gold mutual funds? Uh, okay, uh, Shaji, I will take this and then yeah, sure, sure. See, ETFs, you're absolutely right. This uh, we have seen the maximum inflows these three quarters in this calendar year, Europe and US. We have seen a thousand three tons of inflows, highest ever. This quarter itself was five percent higher. Clearly, uh, investors are looking at gold because there is negative interest rate, there is COVID uncertainty, U.S. elections, Brexit, various uh, geopolitical, and of course the interest rate, the opportunity cost, which is now almost uh, negative. Therefore, you saw investors uh, uh, clearly move to gold as a safe haven, uh, which is which is what uh, gold does. But uh, even in India, China, we saw India, uh, there was an inflow of five tons. China, there were, I think, four uh, e uh, new ETFs who have come in. 13 tons was the inflow. So even Asia saw one of the biggest uh, you know, ETF inflows. So across the globe, bars and coins and ETFs have been very good, have, been, have seen extraordinary inflows this quarter, as you expect. But it, it's important to note that ETFs are not paper gold. You see, the, the distinction between paper gold and you know physical gold is the ETFs are physically backed by gold. Yeah. Sovereign gold bond is a paper gold okay. because it's a promise to pay you money. In ETF, it's not a promise. The gold is allocated and kept separately. And it is kept, uh, you know, people can, whatever, verify in their own geographies according to the rules and regulations. But it is backed by gold. So it is physical gold held in a DMAT form. 
sovereign gold bond is a paper gold so that's the important thing and uh, you know who who buys these obviously uh, you know one of the thing is investors big investors uh, who want to diversify the second thing is in india and all that you saw that there was covid logistical issues were there in accessing gold therefore you saw many people also really moved into uh, ets and better than ets they also moved into uh, sovereign gold bond that's why you saw sovereign gold bond at 48 tons now i mean the last seven issues have seen extraordinary inflows because uh, people were at home they want to take a position on gold but there is no shop so what do you do but you buy uh, uh, sovereign gold bond and this quarter they bought lot of bars and coins because it is easier for the same money you get more gold in a bar or a coin than in a jewelry because the labor charge is higher so these factors do tend to come in uh, and uh, but etf will be a growth story even in asia as we go along but it will not be at the expense of jewelry it will be alongside jewelry it will up the demand Fair enough. Fair enough. Do yeah. you think it's additive? Sorry, Shahid. Yeah. Uh, no, it's absolutely. Arjun was uh, Mr. Somosundar said actually that demand. What he says, uh, uh, it's absolutely right. And I think the government would be pretty happy about all these things actually because it's it's uh, would want to encourage a policy of uh, less import of gold. We have seen it. Uh, the imports fall, and over a period of time, we know that of the uh, the twenty thirteen. We all know the story of uh, how. gold imports were rising and added to a huge problem on the current account deficit and with all his other problems in 2013 14 so i uh, so as as uh, he as mr somasundar said when you don't have physical gold backing actually like the sovereign gold bond uh, the government would be pretty happy and and i think these tranches uh, Uh, maybe over the next few years, if you're going to have ten, fifteen of that, I think it's a sign that it's it's slowly on the uptick actually, and the and maybe the fact that we have more people who now are actually have a little more awareness of uh, the possibilities of an investment in gold, and who are looking at a slightly medium term uh, perspective with. with also diversification it may be a limited number of investors but diversification but which which is something on a larger scale you see in europe and may in 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 the in developed countries actually maybe maybe a parallel would uh, would be turkey i guess in some sense of the markets between india and and uh, a turkey maybe closer it i think mr somasundar would know it better but i think that probably is the way to go i guess actually over the next few years and and i think the figure shows that uh, since 2015 i think cumulatively it's about 50 tons close yeah, to 50 tons. tons yeah cumulatively over that period in sovereign gold bonds which which is our annual import so oh, i i think it's a small beginning but i guess those two segments i think as you said will add to what you have the demand for physical gold which is which isn't a bad thing at all yes but uh, they are they are very valid points uh, indeed uh, uh, so coming to the you know the, the last question and on, or more about what are the scenarios where you see a gold losing some of its luster right so one of the things we can think of is that if crypto if, if bitcoin in essentially becomes a universally accepted store of value which is kind of at the end of the day that has been the strong point for gold right currencies come currencies go gold is always there gold is always valued globally right so if first of all what, what do you how, how do you guys think about this um, do you think that uh, at least today is that even a real threat 
maybe 10 years down the line 15 years down the line do they coexist um, different investors pick different asset classes but uh, it'll be good to have kind of you know some context around around uh, around crypto and gold because some of the use cases that they serve are very similar Shaji, you want to take a stab at yeah, it? I, I, I think my limited understanding of this actually, it's early days yet. And if you look at the regulatory landscape uh, across the world, uh, I, I think it doesn't look favorable, at least in the near term to me, uh, uh, for probably the digital currencies, actually, at least uh, in, the, in, the, in the bigger countries. I think whether it's the Fed Reserve, which is spoken about it, or Bank of England. Bank of England seems to be a little more tuned to it. The last governor, particularly uh, uh, Mark Carney, uh, also uh, spoke a little positively about it. But I, uh, and I think a couple of other countries, in fact, uh, whether the Japanese and the Germans actually are a little suspicious about it, actually. And uh, like in the European Central Bank, they used to speak it about as a tulip mania, I think, uh, 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 reflect, reflecting what uh, the kind of approach they have. I think China seems to be probably the only one which has sounded a little uh, encouraging about this emergence of this actually because of the e-payment system. Uh, but one of the problems could be the fact that ultimately uh, this is this is at the at this point of time there is a technological uh, issue uh, and and a comfort factor for many central banks. And the fact that unless a central bank issues it, will there be an investor trust and faith in it? Actually, that's one. The technological uh, technology, the understanding by investors, those are those would be factors. I think those will take quite a long time, I guess. And and as long as uh, there's turbulence, there is there is obviously gold demand is. Uh, always high also when there is turbulence as uh, all, we all know and there is conflict but uh, the other issue could be maybe even if it uh, gains uh, uh, acceptability down the line medium term I have a feeling that India may be uh, much later I think the intrinsic inherent suspicion about some of these things will hold it back and I think the Indian the early days, uh, there's a committee, I think, of the Central Bank of uh, Indian Central Bank, and I have, a, and my understanding is that they have actually uh, already expressed uh, apprehensions about uh, the possibility of it being used for money laundering and uh, smuggling. So I think it's a little way off, at least uh, in our geography. So I and may, maybe we'll have to wait for much longer for this. In fact, at this point of time. This I, is my limited understanding. So, yeah, I am not. Uh, it's there is no comparison between crypto and gold. Gold is a reality. Crypto is again still a promise. You don't even know who has issued crypto. You know, there are many things that you lose your password, you lose your money. You know, uh, you know. So, and also look at it. It still requires a lot of knowledge. I mean, our own market penetration. When I say market, you know, uh, capital markets, it's probably what eight percent. It was 6%. It must have definitely gone up. 8%. That is all you have. What is the total amount of sovereign gold bonds sold? Even with all the peak? Right. 50 tons. In five okay. years, how much of gold has been sold? 4,000 tons or whatever. 3,000. So I am not uh, I'm not uh, saying that crypto can be a um, you know, challenge to gold. Um, maybe crypto bought by uh, you know, central banks in their jurisdiction might actually be uh, another form of currency or asset class 
but to say that you know crypto can uh, you know can it be in in uh, alternative to gold is just going against the very concept of gold gold is the reality i just bring it home i hold it i can take it with me when there is a problem none of it applies to all these uh, other paper promises so um, i wouldn't think it is a great uh, risk having said that you have to see the developments which individual central banks do fair enough fair enough i mean at the end of the day i think uh, even even the crypto market is now kind of coming to the conclusion that um, uh, you cannot survive outside the monetary system which it was built to 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 challenge but eventually everyone realized no 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 you need the blessings of central bank but once you get the blessing of central bank then uh, you lose all the unique characteristics of people not able to, people not being able to trace you so on and so forth uh, so no it's a, it's a very good points again so i think um, uh, fantastic yeah. i mean i think uh, for me the big takeaways definitely are uh, we are 0.5 grams i mean I, i just can't get over that piece of data i never looked at it uh, as gold consumption from a per capita basis um, and uh, kind of shows you how much we still have to go regardless of being one of the largest consumers of gold um, and also you know to shaji's point that even though youngsters might be going towards platinum or you know or other different kind of jewelry to begin with but eventually they come around they start buying gold and they start building that gold reserve it's kind of like uh, something that's been part of how indians have saved historically for a very very long time uh, so thank you so much sum thank you so much for joining us uh, has been fantastic um have a very very good day